Hey, welcome to The Screenwriting Life. I'm Meg LaFove. And I'm Lorianne McKenna. We are professional screenwriters. We've worked together as a team and separately. We've worked on studio and indie films, live action and animation, from my work on Inside Out and Captain Marvel. To my work in Pixar's story department on Up, Brave, and Inside Out. We are here to share our insights on the craft of screenwriting and also the life. How to not only survive the ups and downs, but thrive. We want to help you become the best screenwriter you can be and to reassure you that you are not alone on this journey. Hi, you guys. Thanks for being with us today. We hope that we are your people because you are ours. You're our peeps, our squad. Committed. We're all committed to each other. Uh, And that's our topic for today, finding your people. So we're going to talk about what does that mean? How do you find them? What do you do once you found them? (laughs) And what that means in your script for your for your I, I think we can uh, take that all the way to when you're a writer and who's your who's your character's people and what does that mean? Yeah. Um, but first, let's get to our week and what we call adventures in screenwriting. Lorian, how was your week? Uh, my week was good. Um, let's see. So last week I talked about uh, putting together a script, and uh, this week I sent it out um, for notes to a few trusted uh, readers, and I'm starting to get some notes back. And what's great is that the notes are really consistent. And I don't mean like the same notes. I mean that everybody's poking at the same areas of the script. So the notes on like what's wrong or what a solution might be are totally different. But the the focus is all on those scenes. So that that sort of is reassuring that those are the problem areas. Of course, I haven't gotten all the notes in yet, so we'll see. But... Um, <laughs> But, and what, what's been happening is I'm trying to resist the urge to jump into the rewrite before I get all the notes, because I really uh-huh. do need all the notes. Um, and something uh, interesting is happening in that the response has been positive to what I've written, which is also kind of uh, challenging for me to deal with. Um, uh, so I'm having to figure out how to uh, process that. Um, now, I... So love this script, right? I love this script. I love what I wrote, uh, which is actually helping me get the notes at all because I'm able to have confidence in what I've written. Um, And something else that I was able to do with this script was, and I've talked about this before, how I'll just write like a barf draft and then I want to send that out. And I want to be like, here's everybody give me feedback. But the danger is that is that it's so unformed and raw and that the feedback I get is could be, you know, people putting their own ideas about what it could be into it. So what I did this time was I wrote the barf draft and then I spent some time figuring out what it was and what I wanted it to be and sort of crafting it. And so that when I did send it out, I was very clear about it. So one of the notes I got was in this one particular scene, my main character, it didn't sound like her. Her voice was gone and I agree with it. But because I know what her voice is and who she is, it wasn't challenging to hear that note. I could agree with it because you're right, but but that's because I I have a really clear sense of who she is and what I want this script to be. So um, that's been good and interesting. <laughs> Another thing that happened is uh, my daughter uses my old computer, so she has Final Draft on it. So she really wanted to to learn how to use Final Draft. So I sort of taught her a little bit and then she wrote a screenplay for like six hours one day 
And she was like, I have so many great ideas. The ideas just keep flowing. You know, I made her take a bath and she's like, I'm just coming up with such amazing ideas. And she wrote until like a minute before bedtime and I had to pull her like away. she like eight? Just to What's give that? people context. She's like eight, nine? She's eight years old. And no. she's like, mama, I'm a writer. I'm just a writer. This is, you know, I'm so good at it. And like her confidence and her enthusiasm. And then she's like, what if I have an idea in the middle of the night? So I showed her how to write herself a little note so she could do that. And then the next day she woke up and she started writing. She was writing during music class. She admitted it to me and I was like, okay, school first, then writing. And then she just wrote all afternoon. And then, uh, and then uh, I made her take a little break. And then she started playing with these storytelling dice that we have where like they have little pictures on them. She's like, this is so inspiring. So I gave her a notebook and she started writing down episode ideas. So part of me is like incredibly proud of her. But part of me is like, oh, great. She's going to win an Oscar way before I am. Like she's eight and she's already writing her terrible first screenplay. And she's doing all the things that we say to do, right? Like send yourself notes when you come up with ideas. Make sure to take breaks. Write down episode ideas. Figure out how to be inspired. Like she's doing all the things just naturally. She's and it's, playing. She's playing. But it is so, I feel so, it was so shaming. Because I'm like, I'm not doing those <laughs> things. I was trying to get her to stop writing to watch a Christmas movie with me. Like that's where I was. So Okay, was but this... she hasn't gotten notes yet. So she's no. she's right now sitting in the pure, pure, pureness of blue sky. I'm the best, confident. This is amazing. Yes. Because, you know, she hasn't gotten notes yet. No. She hasn't had uh, to think that she sucks yet. Which, yes, uh, I know. You know and hopefully another thing... she won't until she's uh, older. But, yes, uh... I'm not giving her notes. But I did teach her about, like, every character has to want something in the scene, and that's what creates conflict. And at one point she came and she's like, Mama, I've created too much conflict in this scene. I have to take a break. I'm like, oh, my God, what's <laughs> happening? <laughs> I love it. I've created this monster. No, you've created a confident human, female human, who is loving herself and her writing. And what more could we want to do on this planet other than create that to go out into the world and change it? Yes. Boy, I'm just amazing. And then last night she was practicing ukulele and she's like, look, I wrote a whole new song. She wrote the lyrics. She wrote the chords. She came down and performed it for me. I'm like, oh, my God, I have got to get my shit together and be more productive. (laughs) I love it. There's a great bar being held right in front of you. And I also want to talk about um, she's so comfortable giving herself praise. Yes. She's very comfortable saying, I like this. I, I think this is great. Whereas you've been learning this week how uncomfortable you are with that and having to learn a new muscle, which is accepting praise. Why do you think hearing that people like your writing, which I know you want just like every other writer on the planet. We all want that recognition. We all want to know we've been received and people are getting it and liking it or at least moved by it. Um, Why do you think you're uncomfortable with it? I think because, you know, I so desperately want validation and praise and love and all those things that when you get compliments, what that means. And when I am getting it, I feel like if I really feel it, then it makes me want to cry because at the same time, I'm sort of grieving that I didn't get that enough of that 
uh, either when I was growing up or in my writing or something that it that it connects to some pain I have about mm. whether it actually is true that I didn't get enough of that or it doesn't matter. Yeah, so it yeah, it connects to some pain that, you know, it's just another, you know, emotional thing I have to deal with, right? So it's like, it's better just to be like, I reject your compliment. You know, it, so it's, but I think, I think it's that. But here's because, the thing. I do think that your writing will get even better. And you know how much I love what you just wrote. When you take the time to sit in that grief and let it be, because it's frozen right now inside of you, it hasn't done what it needs to do, which all of these things want to move through you to open you up and teach you uh, and help you, you know, feel and be in the world. And if they can't do that, they just get frozen and locked away. And then your your being is taking a lot of energy to keep that frozen instead of allowing it out into the work. Mm-hmm. And even if you can just allow that grief to speak, put it in a character if that's safer, right? Yeah. But I do think it would be worth, since it's up and walking around, because sometimes it's even hard to access it later. Like, it's up and walking around because you got good praise. So mm-hmm. it's been triggered. The door's open. So I know you're looking at me right now on the Zoom, like, over my, I'm not doing No, it. no, no. I was thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking, yes, I totally agree with you. And I was thinking how hard that's going to be. And a part of that, part of that is, as a woman... Right. Like I've worked so hard with my daughter to like give her praise, to help her and encourage her to talk about herself in a positive way. And I've had to model that. And it is excruciating. Right. To say to her, like, I'm a good writer because I need her to hear me say that so that she can own her positive aspects. And um, I think it's just hard, you know, as a woman to being out in the world and saying, I believe in myself. I, mm. I wrote a good script. I believe in this. And um, part of that yeah, is because we're taught that that's arrogant and selfish and that we need to constantly undercut ourselves. Yes. Which really, I'm sorry, that goes back to patriarchy. And that's a way that, uh, that the power structure keeps itself in power because mm-hmm. it tells you that the way you get validation is to undercut yourself. So, yes. And I know you know all that. I'm just yeah. saying it for But that's a loud, part but. of it, too. Is that, so there's like a personal struggle. There's a power struggle with culture and the patriarchy. So it's it's layered. Um, and I'm sure men struggle with this as well. I don't think this yeah, is unique, course, yeah. but it's part of my struggle. But so, you know, I'm trying to... I, but part of it that's helping is that I also love this script. And I know it's good because it's the truth. So it's really... It feels mm-hmm. sort of empowering to get... Um, feedback of course that I'm already thinking ahead to the next one <laughs> like, will, it, will it be any good you know no, can no, I... no go there no 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 that's is... that door you should close just close that door <laughs> open the other one and close that right. one that is not right. going to help you at all but I did um, I'm just real I'm just yeah. I mean I, am I allowed to say proud of you that might be sound condescending I don't mean that I just mean as your friend I'm just so proud that you did that barf draft and you went into the lava and you sat in it and then you know instead of wanting to send it out you did that hard work that next step of getting some objectivity looking at it which is going back into the lava in the own way in a different way um and really I just and and I'm not surprised that it's as good as it is because uh I do know that about you I know what a good writer you are and I'm just so excited I mean honestly I'm proud of myself too like that's a little hard to admit too like I And I didn't fight it that hard. I'm like, okay, I have to sit with this, right? If I want this to be something that isn't just, you know, the barf draft. Like, and also I feel like that is, 
I'm not respecting my readers as much when I send mm -hmm. them a barf draft. I'm asking a lot more of them. Help me yes. shape this. Tell me what this is. Give right. me guidance. Give me advice. And I'm not presenting my best work. And yes. for me, you know, even where I am in my career, it still felt like a big leap. You know, and I'm sure there's probably a lot of writers that have already blasted through this piece of it. But for whatever reason, it's just where I am this week, what's happening yeah, right now. And, and I think that it's funny when we talk about having your people, there might be, if you're at a place in you, as, as a writer in your development, that you actually do need that help at the BARF draft. There will be people, and we'll mm -hmm. talk about it in a minute, who you can have do that with you who understand it's a barf draft, who understand the support kind of support you need, who will be good at asking you the questions versus telling you what it is. And then I think you do evolve as a writer and then you do need to take responsibility for that next step where you are, Lorian, which is, no, I'm just kind of, I don't need that out, I don't need that. Like Instead of that being true support, that's become possibly a way to get other people to do it for me. Not in terms of a laziness, but in terms of a, maybe reluctance to mm -hmm. make those commitments or whatever reason it could be. There's probably many, many reasons that people want that kind of immediate input on the barf draft. But wherever you are as a writer, it's again, just about self-knowledge and being honest with yourself of, no, right now I do need that barf draft to go to very select people. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah. Um, or no, I need to kind of, like you said, I love it, own it and be confident enough to say, this is what I like this is what I think it should be, and I'm gonna try this. So I just think that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, the my other week, I'm oh, sorry, I, the last thing about my week is that I am in negotiations right now uh, in a for a deal. Uh, I can't get into the details, of course, but I will say that this process is uh, frustrating hmm. <laughs> for anyone in a deal, looking forward to the part where you're negotiating. It is complicated and frustrating and, um, exciting, right? But I still don't feel like I can put all my eggs in that basket, right? Yeah. I still feel yeah. like I have to be like, what, you know, preparing and planning. So, um, yeah, you do. And because even when that goes, you still have to have the other pots boiling because yep. who knows if the show actually goes or, yep. you know, and it takes so long to get something actually sold and the deal done and the money, the cut, the check cut, you know, we're going to have a manager on who's going to answer a lot of your manager questions or representation questions. Mm -hmm. And I think we should talk to him about the deal making. He's done it, you know, for so many years. So yeah. we'll definitely get into that. We can bring a lawyer on if you guys want. Tell us on the Facebook page and if that's something you, you know, tell us how deep you want us to go into this kind yeah. of negotiation and that kind of stuff. Um, so Meg, how was my, your week? How was my week? My adventure this week, um, well, just yesterday, last night at five o'clock, which so it's in fresh in my mind, I had a note session, which was great, which I have to just express that some, they're not always fuck you, fuck me, what's next? That's not <laughs> always how they are. Um, now to, you know, context this is the quote-unquote official second draft going into the producers to get their insights before it goes to the um buyer so you know we've been on this for literally years i mean i think we pitched our take on this uh, source material two years ago so I hopefully should be at the point where the note session is good and it's literally like, just tweak here and do here, right? Like after like two plus years of working on this uh, story, I'm, I thank God uh, we earned this. Uh, but it was good because, not just because there weren't very many, but, but really because the executive had a really good insight. Kind of what you were saying, Lorian, where 
I'm so certain of this now that when she says, I need more here from the character, I don't actually know what she's feeling, which part of me is like, ah, what do you mean you don't know? But yeah. I'm like, okay, no, you're right. I totally glossed over that. I got to slow down here. I tend in my descriptions to be very um, sparse. Mm-hmm. I want the... I want the dialogue, the behavior of the character, the choices the character are making, what's happening in the scene to tell you the emotion. I really do. But I that's one of my small fallbacks is I sometimes don't give them enough. I have to give mm-hmm. them slightly more in the description. I just hate those phrases like you know, a tear in the corner of her eye. I'm like, I hate that. Um, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I used to be um, an assistant and read so many scripts that it's gotten banged into my head that mm-hmm. like that's hacky whatever so i have to get over that and really find ways to in the description help them understand the context of the emotion that i'm trying to get to here i think i might go rich, read a richard legravenet's script i'm sure he did it beautifully on the page you know that master of character mm-hmm. um so anyway so that was great it was great that's to great. get notes that i that i agreed with and you know you know always remember that executives have been doing this a long time and they can be and are often very insightful and really trying to help you um get the best uh you know version across um and the other, you know, and it also related to two questions we got on the Gmail account about doing rewrites um, that I just wanted to bring up real quick. One was, you know, do you have to do all the notes? And I, my, the answer is no, you don't. You're getting notes as feedback, but really all the notes that you get are about what they're telling you what they didn't get. Mm-hmm. That, that's what they're telling you. And maybe other people did get it. Maybe this person read it fast. Or you have to assess the notes and look for the note under the note and all that stuff we talked about. Um, and, um, you know, the, the other question was about, um, you know, how do you know if you've changed enough? Well, honestly, the way is you get another read from more people who haven't ever read it before. Don't go keep going back to the same well over and over because now they know it. And mm-hmm. so they're reading in and they've had the discussion with you. You got to have fresh people read it. Um, I don't even care if that's just your mom, your aunt, your uncle. Like they should be able, and it's harder for lay people to read scripts. And I understand that. But, um, you know, you got to get fresh perspective to see now are they getting it. And, you know, I still think have you gone to the deepest problem? I, I'm going to say it a million times. You take all those notes, but look for the deepest, biggest core problem. And then half of them, if not more, will go away. Hey everyone, so the new version of Final Draft, Final Draft 13, is out. And you know, the question's going around, is it worth it? Is it worth it to buy or upgrade? And our answer is yes. So I recently got notes on a pilot and I wanna see how it works in my rewrite to move a couple of scenes. And usually what I do is, you know, cut and paste, uh, which works out sometimes, but mostly it means I lose text because I move so quickly. But the new version of Final Draft has this cool feature called Navigator 2.0 where you can actually just move scenes around right in your script. So without losing something, I can see what's working, what I'm missing, or what needs to be rewritten, or you know, if I have to lose the scene altogether. But it's really, really helpful. And what's most important to me about this is that I'm not losing anything. Woohoo! Yes. I am laying out a new project and I want to card it. And I can now do that inside of Final Draft. And it's now a super easy way. You can take those cards and then make them into an outline with a simple drag and drop. So it's just a great way to see the larger story that you're writing and get down the details, track characters. I just love it. 
And for our emerging writers, a great new feature is Final Draft lets you set writing goals like page count or timed writing sprints, which is super cool. So uh, we think the new version is really worth uh, investing in. So you can head over to finaldraft.com slash products to get the new version with a discount code of ScreenFD for 25% off. You should check it out. That's ScreenFD. S-C-R-E-E-N-F-D. Um, the other thing I did was yesterday or today, I can't remember now already, um, I got my um, new Academy Gold mentee was assigned to me, and I just wanted to talk about that, that, you know, I really love so much mentorship. AFI has asked me to mentor somebody. Um, you know, these aren't huge mentorships, like every week or anything like that. It's literally like, well, you talk to them twice over the next six months. I generally do a lot more than that because I get involved. But it's interesting because as much as this is an important value to me, I also have to start learning to put up boundaries mm-hmm. um, because I am like, first of all, I'm not writing what they're writing. I am not their parent. I am not their teacher even. I am a mentor and, you know, I, I have to p- be clear. And it's not that anybody has ever crossed that boundary on the other side. It's more me. <laughs> right. I'm like, I want to help you so much that I just, and what happens is it takes time away from my work. Right. And again, this is this kind of female thing that your value is how much you help others. And it's learning to say, nope, I, I, that's good. You're good. Because by the way, like how arrogant of me, like I'm going to be their only mentor in their life. Like there's plenty of other people that can help them, right? Like I don't need to take the responsibility of this person's life on. Um, and then it made me think of something I wanted to bring up today before I forgot that as much as the, the opposite can be true. I don't necessarily for mentors, but for teachers. Like I have met people, writers and not writers and other artists, not even in writing, who become almost addicted to finding teachers. Hmm. And what happens is, and listen, I come from a long line of teachers, many, many generations of teachers. I love teaching. It is a very core, passionate uh, part of me. But from the other side, you can get addicted to the teaching because you're, then you're not doing the work. Like there is a beautiful, lovely comfort in being taught, mm-hmm. right? Which I love. But if it is not teaching towards doing the work, towards self-discovery, towards the lava, towards the, 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 the pain and suffering and beauty of being the creator, then you have to actually see if maybe you're addicted to it. Interesting. Right? Because yeah. as long as you have a teacher, you're in the child position. Mm-hmm. And I think that that, again, beautiful thing, but uh, creators are not in the child position. They are in the ownership position. They are in the, this is what I think, this is what I want to do. And you do have to make that jump. Um, and it doesn't have to be like overnight, but just, it's again, it's all about awareness and to kind of think about it as you are thinking about it. And then in terms of my own writing, I totally got stuck in act one, (laughs) which I have to admit, I'm supposed to be doing a barf draft and I cannot get out of act one. I think I've rewritten it like, I don't even, eight times. I don't even know how many times because I rewrote the beginning four pages like 16 times. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like out here preaching barf drafts and I'm stuck in act one and I was like okay why why am I stuck here like just know myself what's going on Meg what's happening I'm like okay first of all I'm getting to know the characters they're walking and talking and taking on a life of their own and it's shifting and I think that on this particular project I've gotten so much input already there have been so many versions of the outline there's so much stuff to put in 
that this act one is a pruning you know what I mean? Like, it's like, well, I love that, that we had this idea to put me and the director or whoever the hell gave it to us to put this moment in. But, like, what does it mean to the whole thing? Like, I like I have to prune that out because I, I kind of have to clear it out. I have to clear out all those outlines, which I know sounds crazy because I do want you to do cards and outlines if, you, if that helps you. But it, when you go to draft, sometimes it can get cluttery in your brain, right? Because, sure, in the outline it looked like that was going to be 20 pages, but guess what? It's 45. Like, right. oh, my God, it's 45 pages. Now, a true barf draft, you would not stop. You would realize, oh my god, I'm supposed to, this should be 20 and I'm on 45. Oh well, it's a barf draft. It's called barf for a reason. So really keep going. But because I'm in relationship with a director and a producer and a giant team, it's much harder for me to do that because I have to be like, oh, 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 I am dramatically making big path road choices here. So I better get him involved in the puking. Do you know what I mean? Like, I've got to be like, do you want to go right or left? Because I can tell you if we go right, it's going to go this direction or left direction. Now, I do think that my director would be fine if I just made those choices as an artist and brought it back to him. But I don't, it's just not what I want to do. So, you know, I puke drafts when you're working really intimately with a director or a team are a little bit trickier. And I just wanted to acknowledge that. Um, and I also, so in, in the Gmail, somebody talked about working with a manager very, very closely, doing every single beat step of an outline of where she, what the draft she's going to write and I think that's great and she's feeling great and it was a very positive email and I was really happy to hear her getting this great feedback but then I my immediate thought was and it could all change like a, a, in a genre it's a little easier because if it's a super high genre horror or then really that what that manager or person who's doing the intimate work with you is they're literally kind of putting down the big stones probably of the genre hopefully right and they know it very well and those might not change because the genres have generally certain things but really honestly even that you could write you could write your barf draft you have done eight outlines you have done it intimately and it goes freaking left and you were thought you were going right and you know what that's what happens and maybe you're gonna barf it out and you're gonna come back and be like I needed to go left to grab this piece and bring it back and go right again so don't panic I say as the person who started to panic um just know just keep barfing it out and if you're working with a director just know it's a little more complex and you have to have conversations with that person to let them know what's going on and um you know, so that's, I just wanted, I, I've been going through this um, and beating myself up about it, honestly. So I just wanted to share it with you guys um, uh, in terms of understanding. It seems like what you're doing, though, on that project is not actually a barf draft because you've been doing so many other uh, note sessions and other process work. I mean, yeah, it's, there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen and yeah. uh, not in a bad way, in a great way. I feel very lucky, but. Um, yeah, it's, it doesn't feel like a barf draft. It literally feels like, okay, write this outline that has been approved and gone through, I don't even know how many yeah. versions. And so when it starts to not do that, I'm like, oh, wait a minute, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you were on a TV show, you can go through this kind of process and have this many people. And if you're sent off to write the episode, it's not really a barf draft because 
you have to follow what was broken in the, the room. Yeah. And, and if you're not following it, you got to quick go to the person above you and be like, um, I have this gut feeling it's going this direction and then see how well they take that. <laughs> right. um, so, uh, you know, it's just really understand, you know, that the, the, when you're a pro and this, this kind of barf draft, uh, it gets a little bit... Uh, they're not really, yeah, you're right, Lauren, yeah. it's not really barf draft. Like that mine kind of was a barf draft different. because it's an original spec. So I just barfed right. out everything based on the outline I wrote, cut most of it, wrote it, right? Like right. as I was shaping it. But when you're working with someone else, you know, professionally getting paid for it with more structure, it feels like there's, it's something else. Right, you're and I felt outlining. like a lot of the barfing yeah. happened. This is so funny. A lot of the barfing happened <laughs> when I did the, those millions of outlines, right? Like so mm-hmm. much of that is just pulling up clay, right? Um, I mean, it's still great. I mean, I every time I've rewritten this first act, I have learned something more interesting and more nuanced, and uh, so I'm very happy about it. It's just much slower. I, I oddly pride myself on how fast I can go, and it's that I'm not going that fast. Uh-huh. I feel this crazy dumb pressure. Uh-huh. Um, so that was my week. So Jeff, how was your week? You know, I uh, in terms of writing, I feel like I missed out a little bit this week. I feel like mm. I um, have like the production day jobs that we talk about have really been all consuming lately. And it's, you know, I always think about the conversations we have about shadow artistry and mm. um, it's good. It's, it's challenged me in really healthy ways. And I think I mentioned, um, I'm going to be directing something this summer and teaching a class around it, which is great, but I have a proposal due for that, and um, I've kind of been putting it off, so I, uh, I'm excited this weekend to get into it, and, um, you know, I don't I don't want to self-sabotage, like we talk about a lot on this show, because I'm afraid of an amazing opportunity, so I've been challenging myself in really good ways, and I know this weekend I'm going to get into it. Do you need a deadline um, from us? Maybe. You know Do what? You Next time we meet, this proposal has to be done. It has to be done. Next show, it has to be done. All right. And it will and be. And by the way, that's probably multiple drafts done. Think about that. Like, it's not just a proposal that you're going to barf out and then hand to somebody. It's a proposal. You have to rewrite it. I'm you're going to have like to put together a little production schedule for yourself on how you're going to get there. I know. I think tomorrow's really going to be the day. So it might mean not baking, which I've loved doing um, on Saturday <laughs> no, mornings. No, no baking. But... I'm saying it right now. No baking. Okay. I, I'm All very right, happy. Decided. But th- no, that's sabotage. I would love You're to right. eat it, but eat the bread. But no, uh, no baking. You have to bake the bake your proposal, please. Perfect. Let my, let my Perfect. eight-year-old be an inspiration to you. i love it well i'm going to speak about other inspirations and of course that's our audience um you guys continue to write us in amazing reviews i'm actually going to throw it back a little bit to erica o'harica which i love that username i'm guessing your name is erica o'hara and you changed it to erica Mm o'harica which i could say that over and over again it's just that rolls right off the tongue great name um she says two great coaches when you need them most first let me just say i love this podcast with all my heart the advice, encouragement, commiseration, and insight Meg and Lorian offer up every Friday is genuine. This is an old review, so that's why it says mm, Friday. Of course, right. now it's Sundays that you guys get this. But um, the advice, encouragement, commiseration, and insight Meg and Lorian offer up every week is genuine, engaging, and smart. Like, really smart. So I always feel like I'm learning something valuable and applicable from them. That said, this podcast is also important to my writing process on a purely motivational level. I'm mostly a film director, but there are certain projects that I find I need to write myself. And for me, the act of writing can feel unbridled and scary. 
There are so many potential directions in which a story could go. And I sometimes need to just listen to someone talk about their approach to the craft to get the courage to face that story again. By sharing their challenges and triumphs as writers, Megan Lorian helped me step back up to the page when I feel lost or defeated or confused. All those things that storytelling does to you, and I'm so grateful for that. Thank Hurrah. You. Yeah. That's amazing. Um, so as always, thank you so much. And remember, um, join that Facebook group if you haven't. Um, the Facebook page and the Facebook group are different. The Facebook group is where you want to be. So if you land on the page, make sure you also subscribe to the group because that's where the action happens. And um, our email address, if you want to reach us, is thescreenwritinglife at gmail.com. So we created this show to create community. And um, the more we can continue to do that, the happier we are. So... We love you guys, and we do it for you. Yeah, the Facebook group uh, is really doing some great things. They're forming pods to help each other, and it's amazing. And there's some pro writers on there who are also answering questions when Lorraine and I haven't, or even when we do. Like, uh, it's, Let's get all the perspectives we can mm-hmm. for you guys on your questions. You know, Some of them, I was like, I have no idea. Like, Somebody asked about the eight-section uh uh, structure and I was like I have no idea I've never heard of that but somebody else had and they jumped in and were talking about it and uh, so I think that's uh, it's a really awesome place to be because mm-hmm. it you know that is all about community and Lorian and I are very big on creating community we created a community at Pixar we created a community together and we created a community of of working parents that we love and you know we just uh it's a very big value uh for us and i think part of that community creating is finding your people right it's uh the facebook group for us is our people you are all our people we want to create and help you find uh, your people on that page um so you don't feel alone and you know it's really can be what finding your people does so so laurian as our topic finding your people what what does that mean to you um, I think uh, for me to start, it's that um, basically uh, one person or even several people can't be everything to you. So it's important to figure out what else you need. So like I have, you know, my husband, my daughter, my family, and they all provide support to me in different ways. But I also really need to have relationships with people who are writers and who understand that. And my husband is always super supportive. He can't stand it when I talk to him about a script though because it might change. And that's Mm. not the kind of people I need when I'm talking about my writing. I need someone who understands the development process, right? Right. So for me, a big part of that is figuring out and articulating what I need and being open to that. Um, Mm. And you know, uh, a couple years ago, Meg, you were helping me uh, find my beacon. What the hell did I want to do? What did I want to be when I was a grown-up writer? And I, I, you helped me do some exercises, and you were like, what else do you need? And I said, I need a group. I need a small group that supports this, that is also doing the same thing. So you went out and put together a small group of other people. And, uh, you know. We called it the Beacon Group. We called it the Beacon Group. And it was this. I happen to know other people who also were struggling with what's their beacon. And, mm-hmm. and by that, I mean, you know, when, when, when I uh, was moving from being a producer to a writer, I decided in my crazy head that I was going to just work right at Pixar. That that was the scariest mm-hmm. 
most exciting place to write because I thought they were doing some of the best storytelling in the world. I learned about the brain trust room and it, that brain trust room became my beacon. I'm going to sit at that table. And you know, it was a light out on the water on horizon line. Um, and you never get to your beacon ABC. It's always like A, D, Z, F. Like you have no idea why you're going in the direction you're going and that's fine. And by the way, you can change your beacon as you get towards it and realize, no, that's not what I want. I want to do this. That's fine. But I like having something I'm working towards to keep my boat pointed towards so that as opportunities come up, I can say, is that going to help me get to the beacon? Like, for example, is baking bread going to help you get to your beacon? (laughs) Called out. (laughs) Or, sorry, or, you know, and maybe, by the way, there might be a day that baking bread absolutely is because you're exhausted, you're tired, and you need a break, and you're overworking yourself and frying yourself. So no judgment on anything that anybody's choice is, but I found the beacon helped um, me uh, get there. Um, So, and it's funny because after I was done with Pixar, I was like, oh, my God, what's my beacon? <laughs> I was like, shit, what am I doing? Um, and it's funny because I, I, it keeps changing on me. But yeah, we had Lori and I, yeah. and I talked through that, and then I, we went and I found um, some other friends. So I don't think you knew all of them even at the time. No, um, and who were also trying to figure out the same thing. Well, what, what is my best day if I woke up? What would I be doing? Who would I be? How would I be spending my life energy? Mm-hmm. Every, they all had that same question. Mm-hmm. And it was so it was this sort of constructed group of people um, that was really helpful because there was a sort of, because we all knew you and we were connected to you, there was a sense of trust and intimacy sort of established. And everyone in the group had a different different skill set in terms of sharing and vulnerability and wanting to or not. But, um, you know, it was a great group for a while. Um, right. and, then, and everybody wasn't screenwriters either. They were yes. novelists that, you know, it was... Yeah. It was we were called creative. We were so, all creative. Yeah. And we all connected in different ways. And over the years, it has sort of morphed, right? It evolved. The relationships evolved. And the need for the group isn't as urgent for right. for some of us, which I think is also an important pro- part of your peopling, right? As you're right. figuring out how to find that group. And, um, of course, I have other groups, too. Um, I think, you know, we've talked about um, networking before and how that's not, you know sharing business cards and what can I do for you and what can you do for me? It really is about true relationships, really liking someone, respecting someone, wanting to get to know someone. And I think uh, that's that's the base of finding your people, connecting with someone else who, who gets you, who you get, who you want to talk to, who understands what you're trying to do, who supports you, but also challenges you a little bit. Yes, not the best just, people do challenge you yeah. and call you on your... Yeah. Do your stuff or say don't bake <laughs> yeah I mean I have to say you know when I met you Meg I was you know working at Pixar it was great um, and you really challenged me you know you didn't let me uh, sort of do the thing which I'm so good at which is distract tell a story I'm so funny look over here you were like no let's talk about why you're not writing and honestly you've been doing that for me for you know the whole time we've been friends and it's amazing and sometimes I cry and sometimes I get mad and but I know I need it um and for you for me you're such a part of uh my people you know and and it's the same and and it's a back and forth right like yeah 
Um, I would never continue, be able to continue doing that if I wasn't also receiving the same support from you um, in the same way of, of writing, but also just, you know, when I'm walking around CVS <laughs> crying, trying to make sure if nobody notices because I've had been so traumatized by something that happened at work. This is not at Pixar, this is much later. Um, like literally I called you and I was like, oh my God, what do I do? Did this happen? Is this person gaslighting me? I, I think this happened. And you were able to help me by asking me questions, walk it through. And then the best part was you made me laugh. And just it just changed the calibration of my brain to look at it differently and let it go. And, you know, so much of, of the support that you can get can also be um, not helping you not see the drama but the fun of it and just you know the just to this is just a moment in time and now I can look back on that traumatic moment at <laughs> CVS and laugh because you made me laugh right um and you do so you know the support can be with writing and craft and that might be a certain group mm -hmm. it might be emotionally in terms of uh, or it might be career-wise beacon it might be emotionally like holy shit this is hard and I'm evolving myself and I need someone to talk about that I don't like um, praise I need to talk about this right and that person can be like why do you think you don't like praise or whatever and now that might be all in the same person and I'm lucky enough to have Lorian and that all three of those are in the same person it doesn't have to be right, right. Um, not everybody's good at everything um, the other thing I would say about it is you do need to nurture your people uh, mm -hmm. and because um, it's it can't be a one-way street you know it, it what are you giving back to the group what are you, you know, I often find myself being the person who is like, we haven't seen each other in a long time because I have all these different groups of community and every once in a while I'll be like, oh my gosh, I have not seen those ladies in way too long. Like the ladies that I met when I was 20 years old and showed up in LA and we still uh, are friends and, but we're busy. Now we have kids and sometimes our kids are different sexes, which I know sounds crazy, but you guys have girls and I have boys. Mm -hmm. So they're off doing thing with their girls and I'm not because I don't have a girl. And that can, in a weird way, suddenly I'm like, oh my God, are you not my people anymore? No, of course, they just are, they're gonna have other experiences, right? Because we're evolving. My people have been evolving over 25 years, some of these groups, yeah. and they shift and change, And but always I wanna go out and have the drink or do the Zoom or, because I need to check in with them and mm -hmm. I need to nurture that. They can't, those those things can fray and move off and I like to nurture and come back even if it's just a touchstone every once in a while. But really in terms of writing, it is having that support group for you when you need the motivation, when you need to see, uh, you know, not be self-sabotaging, when you need craft questions, like does this suck? <laughs> like right. I do think it's good to have one or two people who you can give a barf draft to, who yeah. won't judge you, who understand what a barf draft is, and who really aren't going to tell you what to do with it, because it's a barf draft, man, that is not appropriate. They're really gonna just ask questions, say, I didn't get this, right? It's, it's a delicate thing to bring somebody into a barf draft and make sure you don't self-sabotage by bringing in a person who's not, should not be in that community, yeah. either because they're in a different community and therefore when you're up further in the drafts, or by the way, I also wanna say to you guys, make sure the people you have around you because you could unconsciously be sabotaging yourself by having people around you in your group, in your squad, who really 
are there and they're putting you down and they're being passive aggressive and they're undercutting and they're always talking about themselves when you try to talk about yourself and what they're you know there are and I think a lot of people are unwittingly doing this but there are succubus in the world like they they are people who get their life energy from you right and I you have to be very careful about who you allow into your sacred um, squad mm -hmm. who you allow into your sacred group um, especially about your writing holy yeah. smokes right but any group that you have any people in your life uh, you do need to ask yourself why is that person in my life and yeah. maybe they're in your life because at some point in your life they did give you something but you've outgrown them that's a very innocent normal thing mm -hmm. maybe it's because you're self-tabotaging maybe it's because this is the way that you will never have to accomplish something and go stand in the light right and it can all be unconscious or maybe unconsciously this person is marrying one of your parents yeah. Yeah. and oddly you feel comfortable in it because you know it you know how, how passive aggressiveness works and it's a weird comfort psychological comfort yeah. to have that person in your life and I just want to say to you what but what are you giving for that comfort yeah. you know it will affect your writing and I'd rather if you can't break up with them that's fine totally fine I get it maybe you're not ready but maybe take it to your writing and ask why let that person live as a character and break up with them on the page and just see what happens right so you know there there can be um, people you and you know sometimes you let these people in because they had a false face yeah. You know, this might be in that you thought you let them into the group and you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> you are not here for um, for sacred good reasons. Um, and then, you know, now here comes the hard thing, especially for women. Oh, my gosh. You have to say no. Right. You have to say you have to say that this is not I mean, this has very rarely happened to me in my life, honestly. I mean, I don't know if I'm a good judge of character. or I've just been lucky, but. Uh, I've very rarely had to uh, break up with a people in the group, um, but sometimes you do. And you know what? It's it's not that you're being mean. And women are so taught to be nice and to be giving and to worry about that person. And here's what I'm going to say. I heard this great thing. I think it might have been Sharon Salzberg, but I'm not sure who talked about she was on her way in India to go see a famous guru and on the way she got mugged. And this person jumped on her rickshaw and tried to grab her purse and she had a tussle and so she went to her guru and she was like what was the great holy Zen enlightened thing to do right what, what was I supposed to do and he said um take your stick and hit him on the head and she was like what and he was like that person needed to be hit on the head it would have been a, an act of kindness to try to wake them up with your boundary, right? So sometimes niceness kills people. Like yeah. you don't have to nice yourself with your people into, it's not good for them. They need someone to say, you know what, nope. You know, this doesn't seem to be a good fit or whatever, right? So your people are your choice. Yes. Everybody in your life, you are all adults. Everybody in your life, is your choice obviously if you're a parent no but we love our kids so even when they're teenagers <laughs> uh, we love them and totally enjoy them uh, so uh, I just the, the peopling can you can sabotage yourself with it too yeah. so I did I did want to bring that up that and maybe one of the people in your group as you're diving into your lava um, you know lava can bring up trauma it can and I and I and I wanted to say 
maybe you need to um, have a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, Therapists I was can be great with, people. They can you. be great people. Yeah. And um, I was working with a writer recently, and what she was bringing up was very, very um, serious and traumatic. Um, it happened years and years ago, so I wasn't worried about it in the moment. Um, but I was like, I think you need, I think if you're going to do this and you're going down this road, which I so want you to, because there's so much juice in here as a writer, not to sound uh, heartless, but <laughs> oh my God, this is so good. Uh, but you bet, I think you should get a therapist and just have that on the side at, so that, that, that you have that support, mm-hmm. right? That it's really good people to have if, uh, if you need it, if you need it. Yeah. And if you don't, you don't. Um, but sometimes you can't ask your people to be your therapist. How many put it that way? right yes they're not trained they don't have the capability and it's too much responsibility to ask your per- your people your squad to also be a therapist they don't have that uh mm-hmm. unless they are therapists i guess um they generally don't have those that skill set uh, uh so it's better i think uh for them and you yeah. uh, to to and get that can, insight and different places you can meet people right you uh i've met like i was a i've been a mentor at Cinestory and uh, one of the writers that I, w- well, several of the writers that were my mentees, I've become really good friends with, but one of yeah. them has become one of my people, right? Like oh, awesome. we meet every Thursday at new- at one o'clock and share work back and forth and we're really good friends. And um, so, you know, it's, a, it's an unexpected, you know, sometimes it's just unexpected and um, and I, I, do, I was thinking about that where we could tell people to find their people. I mean, yeah. I know the Austin Film Festival is mm-hmm. literally like 3,000 writers finding their people. Like <laughs> I, like walking through, and I know we're, we can't do it right now, but it'll come back. You know, like walking through the lobby of that hotel and all those groups and pods of writers and they're meeting, they see each other once a year and then they talk on the phone and, and they read each other's stuff and they're drinking and having fun or not drinking. or It, I, it was really so exciting and fun how many people from all over the world and, and were finding each other. Um, it was the same with ScreenCraft. You just felt people, they come every year or they now saw each other that they, they were brand new and didn't know anybody. And yet it's odd, those, those, those writing conferences, writers are lovely people. They're just like, hi, hi, like we're all the, we're all the weirdo kids. So we're just very like lovely to meet each other. I thought that was great. Um, you know, the Meryl Streep lab that I did, anytime you can get into a lab, mm-hmm. those that's a very bonding experience. They are definitely close to your people because they are also at the lab. And, um, you know, I do think like the Facebook group, I'd, oddly, mm-hmm. Facebook, some of those groups, those some of those people have become my people. Um, you know, that group that you and I are in, Lorian, yep. there's people that I have never physically met, but I consider them my people now. Yes. And yes. some of them are not even in this country. And it doesn't matter because... Um, they support us and uh, about parenting and that it's mm-hmm. great to have a place to go to talk about uh, that so um, it can especially now with zoom you know and the mm-hmm. silver lining of of this pandemic is we're creating community now remotely so people mm-hmm. all over the country you, you the writers who are listening all over the country and all over the world um, are becoming community right which is so yeah. exciting I think to jump on what you were talking about before about um, how to test uh, if someone is not your people, like mm-hmm. really check in with yourself um, about why you might be feeling bad after you spend some time with that person or those people, right. see if it's the right group. Are you feeling bad because you feel shame or threatened or does that particular person and how they act toward you make you feel bad? And maybe that's not your person, you know, yeah. and you get to investigate all those reasons why. Yeah. But um, 
I've had to let go of some people because they just made me feel bad. And they, it wasn't the kind of reason where I'm being challenged in a productive right. way. It wasn't, it wasn't you, Meg, challenging me because you wanted me to be a better writer. You wanted me to get my shit together. It was because they wanted to feel better than I was. Yeah, that's right? not good. And so that's that, good the, the competition stuff is just, you know, it's just that we have enough of that. Like you don't want, you want to have really sort of intimate trust with somebody that they're going to celebrate you when you do amazing things and that they're going to commiserate with you when something doesn't go your way and that they're going to help you and you're going to help them. And yeah, I would say that was one of the mo- you know, the 10 top moments of my life was I was, I, I was going to go to the Academy Awards and I'm going to get choked up. You know, my people came, my six, eight friends who had been there since the day I said, you guys, I think I want to write. I think I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to write. And they were the ones saying, do it. And they were the ones reading my crappy novel and, you know, reading the drafts or just helping me keep going and all the questions and problems I had. And they were there to just be sounding boards and they came and they helped me get dressed and we had champagne and it was so moving to have them along the journey with me. And I, I think of it because what you said, they were so happy for me. There was no weirdness there about mm-hmm. jealousy. or There was none of that. It was wholehearted, so, so happy. I mean, it's funny, Lauren, when you gave me your script, I joked. I was like, okay, well, I'm a hack because this is so good. <laughs> right? <laughs> because, you know, so you, there, you, there, there can be moments, even with your best people, that you're like, oh, my God, she's so good. I'm a hack. Um, but of course, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy for, about your script. Um, and you know, our other friend Amanda, who's this amazing novelist, mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know, she is going to win the Man Booker Prize or something because she's just so, so good. good. Yeah. And uh, you know, I just am so excited. For, you know, those are the people that you want who are equally excited for you. Um, and um, you know, so talking about you know. Let's take this also over to writing and creating characters. You know, you can ask yourself if it helps dig some stuff up. You know, who is your characters, people? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Who is their community? Um, how did it form um, before this movie started? What's it based on? Is it healthy? Is it not healthy? Um, is that, you know, is that community or people around them good for them? You know, what are the belief systems and values of that community they're in? Now, that can be the larger community, i.e. they live in Idaho community, or it could literally be their people. Like, who have they surrounded themselves with? Is that by choice? Well, it is, because whether they know it or not, do they think it's by choice? Um, you know, and often people are, I, I can't tell you how many scripts I've read that people are like, well, they're isolated. And I'm like, you know, Maybe, but that's a pretty big thing to say that this person has no people, not mm-hmm. even one, right? And, you know, there's a difference between isolated inter- in- internally, loneliness, and isolation. You can be around a lot of people, and you can have a lot of quote-unquote squad members around and still be lonely and isolated, and that's a really important moment for your character to realize. Totally. That this life I built or this squad I built isn't servicing me anymore, or I'm not this person, or this is all fake, or or whatever, right? You know, part of the people around them and their squad will be the authority figures either in that squad or against that squad, or like who, you know, where, what, what are their opinions about those authority figures? Um, you know, because then in Act Two, are they going to get new people? 
Mm-hmm. Are they going to get a new squad? Or are they fighting for their squad in Act 1? Or has their squad gone with them into Act 2, right? You know, because act, is Act 2 going to test that squad, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely going to test your main character. Um, but how is relationships forming? You know, if, you know, Dory becomes uh, Marlon's Marlin's people. Part of that the family. Is the whole, it, I mean, it's... It, yeah. it's but you know it's his people like she becomes his people and uh uh it is a way to look at uh and you know there's a risk to reaching out and opening yourself up to possibly have a person become your people um become that enter that enter another squad is very feels risky right and you have to open your heart and become vulnerable to that um and that's that's, part of it that's carl's journey right he's isolated himself lit right and then uh russell becomes his people and he yeah. fights against it and then he embraces and the dog it. becomes and, his and people Doug and the bird I mean, yeah but, you know and the yeah. bird um so you know and how or how does your character see their see people and their community differently at the end mm-hmm. has it changed has it remained the same and that some maybe something else actually changed in them um but so many movies are about this if you really look at them in terms of the shift in who are the people around me and how is that ref- the most important thing is how is that reflecting your main character and their journey right yeah. you're 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 peopling the people around them because they're going through a transformation and these are the people not knowingly not consciously but you know as the Zeus of the story this person is here to teach them something uh, and you know your people in real life around you are also here to have perspective and insight for you um, or and whether it's teach you something or just remind you of something probably that we're all adults you know I do remind Lorian to write <laughs> and she reminds me it's okay and to laugh and not get so dramatic um, so or to not bake and go work <laughs> on your presentation See? just because we have a theme we have a theme going oh this I, is why it's I'm called... so grateful I'm so grateful for that call out <laughs> and Meg I want to and I'm going to throw it to you Lorian but it's, it's such a beautiful example of a motivational challenge. There are people who would call me out for that in a way that doesn't feel empowering. But Meg, you have such a beautiful way of ex- getting me excited to not bake mm-hmm. this Saturday so I can kick ass on this thing I need to do. So it's yeah. I'm thanking you. It's You're right. And I will have a proposal for next Good. week. Good. And by the way, the following weekend when you do bake, I would like a delivery uh, of bread. <laughs> I don't I know if you do. Bread. I don't know if you do. I'm, I'm just saying. I'm a better bread. writer than baker. It. So... <laughs> Well, I was oh. just going to say that, uh, Meg, you always have uh, such a beautiful way of uh, tying our topics back to the screenwriting life, right? There's the living as a screenwriter, and then there's writing, right? And I think the peopling perspective is really uh, brings that point really home, right? There's the people we surround ourselves with, and then there's the people that we surround our characters with. And yeah, the writing life and writing. There it is. One more thing I want to Uh, say quickly, if I can. Okay, go ahead. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of you guys, writers, without overgeneralizing, some of you are very extroverted, and I know some of you are introverted, and that's why you love Mm -hmm. writing. Um, And you may be listening to this without a community right now, and it can be tempting, I think, especially as an introverted writer, to not create your squad or not create your people because you're comfortable in your room Mm. writing these beautiful stories that you actually don't want people to see. But... I want to encourage you that you need it. You can't succeed as a writer without it. And believe it or not, you're going to find that those people who actually 
really are beautifully validating and challenging and enhancing what you're doing already. And it's a scary step to take, but when you find your people, it makes the journey so much better and greater and it makes it so much more rich. So, and you're, and you don't, you know, if you are an introvert, um, you don't have to have five, 10 people. Mm -hmm. You could have two, Mm -hmm. right? And you probably do have them and you maybe aren't seeing them or you're not thinking of them that way, or you have one. And okay, how do you get another one? Well, if you have one, you know, like I literally, some of my people I met because uh, a friend or my friend Jonathan, who was on the show, I met his wife, Hillary, like Mm -hmm. literally we, we just went out for dinner and she's so cool. And at the time she was a journalist and I was just like, oh my God, I have to know this person. Like I have to know inside her head. I have to know everything about her. And so I was like, you want to go to dinner? Just you and me. <laughs> and she was like, sure. And you know, so she's like now one of my people mm-hmm. uh, because, but, and Jonathan is too, but we actually have separate relationships, right? It's, they are different too. We have couple relationships. We have separate relationships. So you, you can reach out through, if you found one person, they're going to have like, it is like a branching a branching tree. Um, so I totally do respect uh, introverts, and I do. I, it doesn't have to be giant. It can. It can be just if if it makes you more comfortable, do it on our Facebook group. You know, it's okay. Like we are here, we can be your squad. But I think it is better for people to know you more intimately, um, mm-hmm. and 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 support you that way. And um, Sarah from our Facebook group. I was going to share this last week, but it's beautifully timed. She had sent me an email, sent me a really great note based on that table read I sent. And I was very thankful and said, thank you so much for this note. It's so spot on. And then she said, immediately following your read, I had my first Zoom call with two other women screenwriters that I met in the Facebook group. We're starting a weekly support group and I'm super psyched to get started. Just wanted you to know that it's merely one of the great things that has sprouted from your Megan Lorian's inspirational work. So thank you, Sarah. Awesome. I love that so much, you guys. I love that you're finding each other Mm -hmm. and connecting. Do we Um, have time for a question or should we... Do we already answer a few in our shitty chat? <laughs> I'm okay. I'm fine if you guys have time. Okay. I can answer the question. Can you answer it, Lauren? Sure. Do you have time? Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Okay. okay. All right. So let's move on to the question of the week, uh, which um, Elizabeth asked us two questions, but I think we can do both because the first one's pretty uh, quick. They're both pretty quick. One is, could you please explain the different titles regarding story? So story department, story supervisor, script supervisor, story producer, um, I think a lot of there's two there's three pockets. One is live action. One is animation. Actually, there's reality TV as well. And then there's also different countries term different things. Like in Australia, they use a lot about the script, uh, the story editor, right? Like you're a script editor or a story editor in Australia means basically you're doing development, right? You're a consultant. Mm-hmm you're quote unquote editing in the story section of the process. Um, I don't think we use that as much in America. I, it's not a term I've, I've heard in America. Um, what, do you, what do you think, Lorian, in terms of this, the story editor? I think I've heard it in some TV. There's some TV titles that are story mm-hmm. editor that I think they mean like the second, the person that the, I mean, we should ask a TV person this, but... We'll ask our TV person yeah, when she comes yeah. on. But it is, a, um, it is a title I've seen in uh, TV. Right. In animation, and mostly. Yeah. But. Yeah, and then in animation, there's a thing called a story department, which I know can be confusing to people looking from the outside in, because a story department is actually artists. 
It, it's not like a room of writers. It's a room of artists who are drawing the movie in storyboard. So not animating, but storyboarding it. And in that story uh, department, there can be a story, a head of story or a story supervisor. Mm -hmm. um, right. So that's really a separate thing, right? Yes. Um, and then a script supervisor is live action, which is really overseeing continuity on set, wardrobe, props, set dressing, makeup, actions of the actors. You know, those are the script supervisors, which really is not about the story at all. It's about continuity. Um, but a script uh, supervisor in an animated feature is about continuity, but story continuity, but tracking the script as it iterates and dialogue recording and making sure that all the dialogue is recorded in the different versions and that and tracking takes that the director likes uh, through multiple departments. So it is a completely different job than in live action. Yeah, and it's a huge job, I have to say. I was, I'm always, I was always stunned and impressed by the script supervisors and animation, just amazing. Um, and then a story producer, my understanding is really a reality TV title you're um, really finding the story in the reality TV footage. You're writing reality TV, which I know a lot of people don't realize that's what's happening, but there are whole jobs um, where writers go in and help write from footage. I actually know who will remain nameless, a famous, very famous indie writer-director, an auteur, who um, has made uh, her living a little bit writing uh, reality TV shows. Awesome. Uh, because, you know, everybody's got to eat. Yes. Uh, and uh, I was like, oh, my God. I, 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 when I was thinking about that, preparing for this question, I was like, oh, my God, I have to write that TV show series. Like, that's like <laughs> a great double life, right? Talk about a double life, right? Um, and not a double life at all because she's so cool. She does. She probably doesn't care. Um, so that, those are the different um, story titles. Um, and then the other question she had is if your script is optioned and rewritten, how are credits determined? If you don't want to be rewritten, do you have to be a producer on your project? And I thought this was a really good question because I think a lot of young writers can be confused about this and of course, totally get that you would have the desire to not be rewritten. So in terms of the, how do I not get rewritten? I have the thing to say is, did you cash the check? Because as soon as you cash the check, you've handed ownership over to the person who bought it even if it's just an option mm -hmm. right so they can rewrite you if they want to because they now own the concept and there's not a dang thing you can do about it and I guess if you were a producer on it you would have more chance to argue why you should not be replaced but the truth is that's why they don't like a lot of writers to be producers on their projects because they don't want to get into this conversation uh, because they feel it needs a rewrite. And you know, you have to think about why would somebody want to rewrite you? And I've been in the position myself personally, and I've known other writers. I know a writer who literally was like, can you just go get another writer? Because he really didn't get what they wanted. He just couldn't, it wasn't, it wasn't like some kind of artistic, you know, you've ruined my, he literally was like, it totally makes sense what you want. It's not me. I don't know how to do that. That's not like, you should go do that. You bought it good, but it's not me. You know, writers can get written out. And uh, of course we don't want to, and I hope every producer and 
um, executive will hang in with a writer. They don't generally. I mean, I literally was in a situation with the studio where when I was a beginning writer where I turned in a draft and I miss, I misunderstood the tone they wanted. Because did I tell this story where they said, we, you know, you write such real emotion and real people. And so make this real. And so they handed me a, an adaptation of a movie. And I was like, great. And I made it real. And my manager was like, yeah, this feels real. It was still fun and funny, but it was real. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> literally the response from the studio was, um, because it was this two-step deal, uh, but one was precluded upon the other. And they literally were like, what is this? Like, <laughs> this is real. And I was like, isn't that what you asked for? And my friend Chris uh, was like, Meg. This is this giant studio. To them, Bridesmaids is real. Like, you have to know what real means to this fire. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, you're totally right. I totally missed the tone. And they didn't give me notes. It literally was like, okay, bye, done. You didn't get it. That's not what we want. But I'm a bit of a dog with a boon. So I literally was like, I sat in a room with my husband, and we were like, okay, this is the tone. And we just started spitballing how to completely 100% re- redo the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I called up my manager and I was like, call them because this is what you say. You know what? You are going to, my deal right now for the second draft is $1.50. Like it's so cheap. I'm going to come in and pick, pitch a whole new version and you can pay me that $1.50 to write it. Because I was a young writer. I needed to stay in the game. I needed to stay. And so I went in and I pitched. And in the room, they were like, that's it. That's what we want. We're initiating. Go. We love it. The producer was freaking out. Everybody was like, oh, my God, we love it. And literally that day, I came home, and there was a message on my machine from Pixar who had read the two real draft. Ah, yeah. And that's the sample that got me inside out. Yeah. So on one hand, I, quote, unquote, made a mistake by writing my version of real and emotional comedy which wasn't right for this studio. It just was not right. It's not what they did. It's not what they made, right? But it was what Pixar makes. Right. So it's, again, that goes back to Beacon as well. Like, you don't know why taking this job and getting fired was going to help you on your Beacon, but it did, right? You just don't know. And also, I should have gotten rewritten because that is not the job that they wanted, right? Like, right. you are, getting rewritten is a bigger thing Like, I understand that you think your script is this holy grail, has to be created as you wrote it. That is never, ever going to happen. There are hundreds of people who are going to come in and contribute to that. It is going to be handed to a director, and it is going to become their script. You, even if you don't get rewritten, you may not recognize it because the way they cast it, the way they design it, the way they edit it, right? It is going to hopefully be the inspiration and you're in there and it's your script, but it's still the director's. We are in a director's medium. So maybe instead of saying, can I, do I have to be the producer? The answer is you have to be the director, right? Um, I always saw being rewritten as a sort of rite of passage as a writer. Uh, maybe it's my experience at Pixar where there's just like so many drafts and so many smart people contributing and participating. But I, I was asked to do a rewrite on a project a couple of years ago. I did it, you know, and then a couple of years later, two writers I really respect and like called me and they're like, oh, we saw that you worked on this movie. 
we're, uh, we're doing a rewrite of it. I'm like, oh, are you guys rewriting me? And they were like, yeah. I, like, I was excited. Like, I felt like I had joined some, like, club. <laughs> you, had, you did join the club. I joined a club, like, getting fired, getting rewritten, right? Like, these are things that, like, every writer experiences. So for me, it felt like, and then, you know, right after that, I was brought onto another project to rewrite some other writers, right? Like, and I didn't feel like, I'm so fancy or smart about it. It was just like, this is where that, where they were on that project. They wanted a different point of view, you know? So, and you know, there is, there is a trend too, that sometimes um, you, people will call even before they take the job. Um, I was offered a rewrite once and I called the, the, the old writer happened to be a friend of mine and I did not take that job until I called him first and said, how are you feeling about it? Yeah. Is this going to break your heart? You know, that I'm, you know, and I was in a place that I could say, well, that I'm just not going to do that job, you know? And he was great. and was like, no, please, please, please help that movie. Uh, so he was awesome. But so, you know, sometimes yeah, so that's where I other. was. They were like, how was it? I was like, here's how it was. I'm so excited you're doing this. Like, I didn't have any, any attachment to what I'd written in a real way that felt like these people were betraying me at all. I was like, good. I hope, I hope this turns out great for everybody. Right. Like, yeah. I, and I can see know. how it gets confusing, especially for young writers. There's a difference, right, between this writing is almost like journaling. It's your heart. It's your soul. It's your mm-hmm. art versus we're in a business. And mm-hmm. you're, and once it goes into the business, it is business, man. They mm-hmm. are, it is a, it is a, it is a product that now is going to go through some, it's got to hit some marks, right? Uh, for Man, w- w- even if you got super lucky and the director and you were best friends or you were the director, you're going to go into an audience preview. Right, like it's not yes. going to stop. So, uh, you know that it is a process of iteration, and you will be iterated. It's going to be iterated, and you should want it to be iterated because if you've sold it to the right person and you had the conversation you needed to have have about why they loved it and what they loved about it, right? You didn't just take a check. You they got what you love about it. They will, as a producer, protect it through that process. Right? It is going to iterate. It is going to iterate a, a lot but it will still in its soul be what you wanted to put out into the world. And I think and that's credits, what you hope for. Credits are determined in the contract, right? Yes. Yeah. The well, contract. credits, if it, it depends in live action, and then WGA, WGA. WGA yeah. determines credits and um, you know, the studio will put credits on a movie uh, as they're moving towards doing a poster. And then it goes into arbitration, which is a whole conversation we can have. It's a giant conversation to have. Um, In arbitration of the WGA, uh, that determines final credit. What happened, you know, it can happen that the people who are on the poster are not the final accredited writers because Mm -hmm. they printed the posters before the accreditation. Uh, uh, But then, you know, what that's really about, honestly, is, you know, people have back ends. If you get credit, you get a bonus. So, people really take those very seriously and you should uh, in terms of arbitration. In animation, because it's not part of the Writers Guild, that is determined by the company. And uh, there's danger in that, of course, if you're with a a not great animation company. They, you know, the reason the WJ formed is because people were giving credits to their girlfriend who never wrote a word, right? So, yes, of course, those are always a, a danger. Um, but my experience in animation, especially at Pixar, is super, 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 super uh, careful about that. And they do their own internal audit. They read, every, there's somebody reading every script. And, you know, it's really taken very seriously and very well done. 
Um, and that's how credit is done uh, in animation. So uh, again, as a writer, can you control that? No, not really, because if you're getting rewritten, now listen, here's a tricky thing. There, there are writers who I've heard about who know the percentage they have to change in order to get credit. Yep. And they will change just to get the credit. I think that's kind of lazy, but uh, I get it as well because they're looking, you know, it's a back end, it's a fee. And boy, on some of these giant movies, it can be a lot of money. Um, again, I've heard of that. I've never met anybody who's done that. I, you know, I, I've only met people who have gone through the rewriting process in a normal way where they're just trying to help the script. Um, often you can get, you know, literally, some of these movies have had 12, 15 writers and one writer gets credit. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. that's good for that one writer, but I don't think that's fair either because 15 people contributed uh, to that script. So we can, we can talk about, we should have talked about that with Jonathan, dang it, when he came <laughs> on from the WGA. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. But so credit is, it's a big deal. And, uh, but you know, again, what you should be focused on, in my opinion, is writing the best scripts you can. And then they will go out into the world and hopefully get made and find their own way in the world. They're, you know, you've done your sacred duty. Um, and then it needs to go and fly and, and be what it is and go out into the world. Um, yeah. All right, so that's it. That's our that's our podcast. Thanks you you guys so much for being with us again. Please go to the Facebook uh, group. Go to the Gmail account if you have a question. Um, but you know, I'd love for you to ask the questions on the group, right? Because then everybody can partake in the answer. But if you really feel it needs to be private, you can go to the Gmail. So uh, yeah, keep giving us feedback and. When you request access to the Facebook group, make sure you answer the two questions uh, or we can't let you in because then I think you're a bot and I say no. So uh, keep uh, checking us out and uh, keep writing. Okay. Thanks for tuning in to the Screenwriting Life. We love our community and we want to get to know you even better. Join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash the screenwriting life or email us at the screenwriting life at gmail.com to have your question considered for the show. You can also suggest topics by emailing us there. Also, we'd love for you to drop us a review on Apple Podcasts. Even if we don't read your review on air, trust me, we have read it. And not only does it mean the world to us, but it helps other people find the show. We've always been driven by mission and mentorship and reviewing our show helps expand that mission. And of course, until next Sunday, happy writing.